back one and all to yet another episode of the Association NBA Podcast. My name is Sam Ruth here, joining me over the phone and across the country, the one and only Tommy Wood. Tommy, how are you, my friend? What up, dude? It's been a long week at work, so it's good to like chill out for a bit and talk about some basketball. Let's chill. Let's talk some NBA. We've got all kinds of happenings there. Let's do it. Um... As we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, we are getting closer and closer to those playoffs. A lot of teams are right now inside of 10 games remaining. So uh, it's an exciting final stretch here in the NBA, the 2017-2018 season. And one little thing that we're going to start with that I certainly did not see coming was the return of the number one overall pick from the 2017 draft, Markel Fultz, who came back and played in his first NBA game since October. Um we're recording this on March 28th, so that would have been two nights ago now. Um, kid came back. He had some moments that reminded you why he didn't come back, why he didn't play for so long, because he immediately uh, uh, got swatted on his first two shots. But, man, I'll give him all the credit in the world because he came back and ended up with a decent stat line and, and impressed kind of running the second unit for them. His stats, which I finally pulled up here, in 14 minutes he had... 10 points, he had 8 assists, and 4 rebounds. Um, so Markel Fultz once again playing NBA basketball, and his jump shot is not completely broken. Um, what do you make of this, Tommy? Fultz is back in the league, I guess. Yeah, it's well, it's really exciting. Um, I'm super happy to see him back. It caught me totally by surprise. Uh, and it was, like the Sixers were so casual about it, because there was no, like, you know, Fultz is working his way back, is Brett Brown just... just started getting all emotional and then announced, you know, made the announcement. Um, and I, but beyond, like, my initial happiness at, like, yay, Markel is back, we get to see him again, um, my my second reaction was, like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this has to happen against the Nuggets, like, with all their <laughs> luck. They need to win. They, they needed to win out, you know, to have any prayer of making the playoffs. And they just happened to have the uh, number one overall pick, like, re-debut against their team and i was thinking you know like that it would have been a classic nuggets move like for them to like give up 40 to markel like that didn't happen but you you know you read his stat line he still had a, a good game um uh he's plus 16 um and i thought like to me like my principal takeaway from that was that like i just forgotten how big and fast he was um you know for like his insane size for a point guard and he's not your like explosive like vertical athlete but he has so much like quickness and his handles are so good and he's so um shifty and he's really able to get you know any kind of shot off at the rim that he wants and it was impressive to see him do that uh you know after so much time off his jumper was pretty pretty meh you know he airballed one when uh, Mason Plumley got switched onto him, which is probably the only time that's ever happened when Mason Plumley is defending some guy on a switch. Um, then he drained a couple off the dribble too. Um, you know, I noticed he didn't take any jumpers off the catch. He didn't take any threes. Um, and he also didn't share the court with Ben Simmons. So that all may- leads me to believe that his, you know, and just looking at it too, like he's still shooting it pretty far out in front of his face. His jumper is still definitely not where it needs to be. And, to me, I think the most concerning fact is that um, I think through yeah he played. Uh, I don't think he shared the court with Ben Simmons tonight either. So that is uh, that is a little worrisome because obviously 
they're going to have to be able to play together for the Sixers to to meet their potential. Um, so, I, I, what do you think about that? Like, how how far off do you think those guys are from being able to share the court? That's a great question. Definitely depends on the scenario and who's around them because, like you mentioned, Fultz didn't take a three. He didn't shoot a free throw. And those were the big things that, that kind of led to this runaway train where he couldn't even shoot a basketball. Th- those two shots that, that really got in his head. Um, I That was the question I was going to pose to you as well. Kind of like, how do you think those two guys would fit? Because uh, they're both most dangerous with the ball in their hands, with the offense kind of going around them and through them. I definitely can see Fultz playing off Simmons with some success with all that explosive athleticism he has if he cuts well and screens well. But for this season, I wouldn't put them together. I don't think that's something that if I were Brett Brown, Brown, I would try. I would leave J.J. Redick as your crunch time too. I would let Fultz run the bench unit, and maybe he works his way up to 20 minutes per game. But uh, that's, that's it for me. Um, what about you going into the playoffs? Would you try and work in some faults in Simmons? Um, do you see faults as the crunch time too for them? I, you know, that's, that's a really tough question because, you know, a lot of, you know, the, the theory of those guys working together was predicated on Fultz's ability to space the floor without the ball in his hands. Um, you know, he shot, you know, over 40% on threes in college. Um, you know, his mechanics were fine before, you know, whoever started fucking with them in summer league. And um, so I don't know. I don't know if I would try it either. Um, but at the same time, if you don't try it, that really limits the amount of court time you can give Fultz. It kind of puts an artificial minutes restriction on him because if Simmons is playing, you know, 33, 34, and, you know, potentially like up to 38 and more minutes per game in the playoffs – then Fultz is kind of limited to, you know, the 14 minutes he played at, at most. So, you know, I honestly, I would give it a try. I, and if I were uh, Brett Brown, like I would just sit down with Fultz and I would just tell him, like, I don't care. You know, if you catch the ball behind the three-point line and you're open, just jack it, you know? Yeah. Like I would just, I would just encourage, I would give him a complete green light. Um, and I think that might be, you know, the best thing for his confidence going forward. I, I'm like, we can't get in his head, but, you know, just I, I, I would think that, um, you know, that if he's being told not to take a three or, you know, not to try those types of shots. And I mean, I don't know if he is, but but if, if that's where they're at, if they're saying, you know, don't don't take these shots until, uh, you know, we've got your mechanics fixed. I don't think that's good for his, his confidence in the long term. And you've seen some guys like, um, you know, Thaddeus Young uh, was told by Doug Collins not to shoot threes when he played for him in Philly. And it's taken him years to, you know, rebuild his confidence and to get back to, um, you know, being a floor spacer. And, you know, Markell is obviously a much better shooter, completely different player. Um, but I would give him the complete green light and just see see where that goes. I, looking long term, that seems to be the move. Uh, after all the drama... You have no idea where his head would be at. Um, just to to follow up with his stat line tonight as well, he still hasn't taken a three, but he's one for two on free throws. So he 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 hit a free throw. 
He also was only one for five, but he had seven assists and five rebounds. So he's already a, an NBA level passer. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. And just, I, I watched just like clips for that game against the Knicks uh, yeah. tonight. And yeah, Frank Nilakina defended him really well. Um, so that, that one for five wasn't, uh, you know, he was missing, you know, good shots. It was, you know, Frank Nilakina is a huge, long point guard. Yeah. And uh, he was really hounding him. Um, so I don't, you know, him going one for five doesn't doesn't worry me. No, um, me neither. Especially like you said, when he has all those ways he can uh, affect the game without scoring. Um, I did want to ask something. Crazy that, block too. Uh, in the game last, the other night or tonight? No, tonight he he, oh, he really it. got up and blocked. Um, God, I forget. I, I I forget who was on. I'm drawing a blank, but he had. Um, you know, he really got up and just swatted swatted him from behind. That's so, sick. He's a big kid. He's like six four, six five, I think. Yeah. Um. So that's not. He's definitely got that athleticism. Um. So and he did do something else tonight that we'll get to in a second. But real quick, I just have a question for you that, uh, I if you had asked me a couple years ago, I wouldn't believe that I would be saying this. But uh, I'm not sure I I I want him to take all of T.J. McConnell's minutes. Uh, <laughs> you know, back when T.J. McConnell was just a scrappy point guard at Arizona, I was like, oh cool, that kid tries really hard in college, and then maybe he'll go to Europe. But he's become like a valuable NBA pro. Um. And I like the way he plays, and I like the way that his teammates, you know, how, how he, he seems to make his teammates better when he's on the court with them. Last couple of games, he's played 13 minutes and then 10 minutes tonight. So, uh, obviously, they're both point guards. You can only really give one bench point guard minutes. Uh, but what do you think? Is there, you know, when they go in the playoffs, it seems like McConnell's going to be sitting on the bench the whole game, or is there, is there still going to be room for him? If it were me, I'd find a way to make it work. Maybe they play off each other somehow. Maybe. I mean, I think that'd be cramping their spacing even more. You know, TJ's never been a, a lights-out shooter. I think it's awesome that he's kind of definitely proven that he belongs in the league. Um, you know, and that probably isn't going to be with Philadelphia since they have Markel Fultz. Um, uh, especially, you know, when, once he, you know, really gets himself into their starting lineup. Yeah. But, you know, I remember just, you know, watching him at Arizona, seeing him in person several times when they played CU. Um you know, when I covered that team, I would give uh, Brian Howell, the, the Buffs beat writer for the Boulder Daily Camera, a lot of shit because he loved TJ McConnell. And I just didn't I just didn't see it. I just thought he was your typical try hard white guy who you know, <laughs> was going to go off and be like, a, you know, an account executive somewhere afterward. I thought he had no uh, no future in the NBA. Uh, but it's a credit to him that he's, you know. Worked his way into a into being a good player. It's kind of him and and Robert Covington are really the only guys left over, uh, you know, who played for the Sixers throughout that whole process. Yeah, um, and it's, it's kind of you know you could always see it with Covington because he was, uh, you know, he was a good shooter. He was a really he's big. Yeah, uh, you know, he's always a, a positive defender. Um, <laughs> but yeah, T.J. McConnell being a good NBA player is is not something I could ever foresee. No, but uh, God bless him. He's he's hanging around. He's shooting forty two percent on threes this year, but he's taking less than one per game. So kind of yeah, kind that's of that's the issue. Yeah. It's all about the volume. Yeah, he's taking the perfect wide open three that Ben Simmons lines him up for with a cross court pass. Uh, enough about that though. The probably the most important thing that happened tonight was was uh, Fultz ran into Joel Embiid. Embiid only had yeah. nine minutes played. He left with what they're calling a facial contusion as of right now. Uh, he's 
cleared the concussion protocol, but as you enlightened me before the podcast began, that doesn't mean he's out of the woods. The symptoms could still appear down the road. And we don't have any further information besides it being a facial contusion, so we don't know if maybe there's some kind of broken bone or swelling that could keep him out for a significant amount of time. Um, this would be drastic. What What do you even do? What's your break glass in case of emergency if you don't have Embiid? I mean, there is none. You're just screwed, right? Yeah, there. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. They don't really have one. Um, you know, like their offense is is has managed to be uh, you know okay with uh, Ben Simmons running the show without Embiid, but their defense falls off a cliff when Embiid isn't on the floor. And you know, even though he's not shooting a, a great percentage on threes this year, his willingness to to take them um, does so much for uh, their spacing. You know, when he's sharing the court with Simmons. Um, because you still have to guard him, you still have to run out and close out on him, and he's just so dominant as a post presence, uh, as a screener, just as a physical force that you know they're not even close to being the same team without him. So if he's going to miss any extended period of time, you know that's that's worrisome. And you know one thing we were texting about like before uh, we got on was you know they could potentially make the three seed and, yeah. in the Eastern Conference and. Um, I thought that if they get the three seed, they might have kind of an easy path to the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, it's never easy, but they could conceivably do it. But without Embiid, that's completely changed. For sure. Um, yeah, as of right now, they are the I believe they are the three seed. Um, they've tonight was their eighth straight win. So they went from kind of hanging around like, oh, it looks close, but they're a little too far out. I believe I literally said that a couple weeks ago. Like they're a little too far out. Um, yeah. To, to, they are no longer a little too far out. They have the same losses as Cleveland. They're a half game behind Cleveland right now. Um, and Cleveland had that ugly loss to Miami. They're yeah. something. Uh, now Kevin loves in the concussion protocol, so Cleveland's still a mess. But when they're good, they're good. Um, and Indiana's a full game behind Cleveland, so that's still tight. That could still end up with Indiana in the three seed, although I just don't see it happening. Uh, Philly's schedule remains easy moving forward. Their next game is playing the Hawks, so they will presumably continue winning. Meanwhile, Cleveland has a pretty tough schedule moving forward. That three seed for Philadelphia, as long as we're assuming Embiid comes back, you're absolutely right. Looks really good. Um, they'd start playing right now. It'd be the Wizards. Um, whoever it is, it's a team they can vanquish, and then they might end up going against the shorthanded Celtics, who most likely still won't have Kyrie back. Um, yeah, and... Those are two series I think Philadelphia. I I I would expect Philadelphia to win yep. if Embiid were healthy. Yep, that uh, they match up quite well against the Celtics without Kyrie. And and you look at all the games Al Horford's missed lately. It's it's just obvious that even though he's playing well and when he feels good enough to go, he still has solid results. Like the guy's not a hundred percent. He yeah. He's gonna need the offseason to just get the rest he needs to actually uh, get back because he's got a lot of bumps and bruises now. Marks Morris. Resprained his ankle last night. Uh, the hits keep coming, even though the Celtics did get Jalen Brown back. Um, that's a winnable series for Philadelphia for sure, and that would be crazy to see them all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals that fast. Um, yeah, and then, like, yeah, if they get to the East ECF, whether it's against Toronto or Cleveland, I mean, like, who knows? I'm not saying they could make – I mean, I'm not saying I would favor them to make the finals against either of those two teams, but – um, in Simmons and Embiid, they have two guys who could be the best player 
on the floor uh, at any you know in any given game, and that's saying something considering they'd be going up against LeBron James, DeMar DeRozan. Um, but you know, with the amount of talent they have, anything is possible. So, you know, if he if Embiid comes back from this, I think they're in a fantastic position. No doubt. Um, with with some experience on the roster, not necessarily where where you want it, but they've they've got some guys who have been through some playoff series. JJ Red, JJ been to the finals. Yeah, exactly. Um, in the back of my mind, I'm just imagining Sam Hankey in a dark room, looking at the standings and just like muttering to himself, "Tank, like, <laughs> <laughs> like get get the eight seed and get the lowest non lottery pick." <laughs> <laughs> but that's not going to happen. They they have clinched a spot. Yeah. Um, it is well deserved. But um, I want to bounce on to one piece of news that uh, I don't even mention to you. There's some injuries we have to get to. Um, I want to talk about Isaiah Thomas. Did you see this? That he's getting surgery to yeah. clean up some inflammation on his hip. I I mean that's yeah. a bummer. Um, that there's no doubt about it. And, and basically we can both just go back and forth and be like, yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah, it's a bummer. Should he have played last year? Probably not. His rehab has been weird. What I want to talk about is the fact that everywhere I've seen this reported so far, it is immediately followed by, but the Lakers are still interested in signing him, which makes absolutely no sense. And without question, the agent is just like, twisting Woj's arm behind his back to be like, make oh, yeah. sure you say that the Lakers want to sign him. Because no, they don't. They have, he's 29 years old and he's a former all-star with a hip problem whose entire success as a professional basketball player relies on his explosive athleticism. And you want to throw money at him when you already have Lonzo Ball and you're trying to get LeBron and Paul George to come into town. It's the most outrageous thing I've ever heard. He was never a candidate to re-sign with the Lakers unless he came back at like the vet minimum or something, which there's no way he's going to do because some stupid team will throw money at him. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... I, I don't. That doesn't make any sense to me unless the Lakers absolutely strike out on every other free agent they're targeting, um, and then they sign him to a one-year prove-it deal. But I, 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 to me, that's, that's still very unlikely. Um, you know, I saw like... Uh, you know, Momo Shelburne w- was tweeting out too that you know he, Isaiah was um, you know like has been a great teammate and mentor to the young Lakers and hasn't hasn't bitched about you know not starting you know except for when he had his agent come out and you know tweeting all cat or texting all caps he's not coming off the bench yeah like it's it hasn't been a good uh, season for him like in in any way and uh, no I don't I don't know why the Lakers would would want to re-sign him. Um, Especially when you consider, like the, you know, the guys he would be potentially taking minutes from, um, you know, Lonzo, you know, Josh Hart, uh, whoever, if you know, if they keep this pick, no, I don't think they, I don't think they keep this. No, they don't have their pick at all. Never mind. No. But um, yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense. He doesn't uh, line up with the age timeline of any of their core guys, you know, and neither would Paul George or LeBron James. But those guys are Paul George and LeBron James. And Isaiah Thomas is Isaiah Thomas. So, different floors, different ceilings. Um, yeah. To give to give Woj credit where credit is due, uh, going down through the rest of his article, he makes some of the same points you make. Like, it would be if they struck out on LeBron and Paul George, it would most likely just be like bridge contract, like not a long term deal. Even then, I still don't think there's a place for him in his roster. Like, cool. I'm glad that his teammates like him. I'm glad him and what's the quote from Walton? I'm glad him and Kuzma have good communication, but you know what? 
someone else right. can have good communication with Kuzma without being a troublesome undersized point guard with a bad injury history. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not, just yeah, not doing it for I th- me. I like, maybe Kyle Kuzma's just a nice guy. Like maybe he has good communication with everybody. His IG is hilarious. Like, you know, <laughs> he roasts Lonzo all the time. I like, I think it'd be pretty easy to have good communication with Kyle Kuzma. He just seems like a chill dude. Oh, without question, dude. I, I mean, on Twitter, I love the shit that I see him retweet every now and again, like stuff about yeah. himself. Like he, he tweeted out some picture of like, it was him wearing glasses and then Kareem wearing the goggles. And he was like, nice. Like, <laughs> 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 it's just like, it's a weird comparison. Kuzma and Kareem, like, doesn't even make sense. Um, more injuries. The Warriors have some good news and some bad news. Durant says he's going to play Thursday, coming back from his rib soreness. Um, but Curry certainly will not be playing. Uh, in Durant's credit, it was an incomplete fracture. It was not just soreness. Curry uh, got an MCL. They call it a strain or a sprain? Strain, I think. Yeah, so he's out for a good... So I'll pull up the official one. I'm sorry I didn't have it to begin with, but Curry's out for a good long while. Um, good to see they're getting Durant back. I mean, at the end of the day, these are still rich men's problems. They still have an extremely deep and talented roster. But heading into the playoffs, how do you feel about a Durant-led team with uh, Curry coming back who will be hobbled whenever he does? You know, I mean, like I don't think they're going to lose in the first round or anything, but they're still in trouble. Um, you know, as great as Kevin Durant is, as great as – you know, Draymond and Clay are, although they've been dealing with their own injuries. Um, they're not the same team without Curry, dude. It's just that they play – they literally aren't. I mean, they, they play completely different style. Uh, they, you know, are a lot more ISO heavy. Uh, they play at a much slower pace. Um, it's really not the Warriors we're used to seeing. Um, their spacing is incredibly limited. Um you know, because the ball is in Durant's hands more, and he's not—he doesn't have that gravity off the ball to, uh, you know, attract guys. And when he does have the ball, he doesn't have Curry's gravity to open up lanes for him. And it's, you know, it's like we talked about, um, you know, a couple months ago when Curry first injured his ankle again. Uh, you know, they really don't have a lot of shooting outside of, you know, their their main three guys: Curry, Clay, and and Durant, and. Uh, when one of those guys is missing, it has an outsized effect on, you know, the rest of the court. And Draymond can get hot. He's got hot in the playoffs before uh, from three, but that's not something you rely on. And, you know, to, opponents love it when Draymond, you know, starts jacking those up. Um, you know, Nick Young has been shooting it pretty well, but he is not a guy you want to trust in a playoff series. Um, and then, you know, Caspi has been cold all year. Iguodala has been cold all year. Livingston doesn't shoot threes. David West doesn't shoot threes. Um, you know, I it worries me if if Curry is out and you know if he comes back and he's not at a hundred percent. You know, we've seen what that looks like before, and you know, it got them a minute away from a championship, but it wasn't enough. And that Cavs team was LeBron at his apex, but. In no way was it as talented as this Houston team that they're going to have to go through. No. Um, another, uh, real quick, I did pull it up. It's an MCL sprain with a P. Sprain. Uh, grade okay. two. Uh, incidentally, the, the, or coincidentally, it's the same thing that happened to KD last year when he also got rolled up on by a big man. 
Um, but it was Zaza, not yeah. Uh, JaVale. Really, what this means is like the Warriors need to stop signing these clumsy ass big men. <laughs> I mean, Zaza is just so used to trying to injure opposing players. I think he just got overzealous and went for <laughs> went for KD. He's like, oh, sorry. Um, but yeah, Clay should be back from his fractured right thumb. In uh, the quote was one or two games. Um, fractured right thumb doesn't sound like that'll help his shooting much. Just like uh, MCL's brain will not help Curry's quickness or lateral movement. And um, some injured ribs won't help the fact that Durant's still a cupcake. <laughs> Couldn't help it. Sorry. Couldn't help it. Uh, I don't even think. I don't know. That's a bad joke. I'm sorry. Um, oh, no. But they're limping That's into great. the playoffs, and they're still the top dog. Still, somebody takes them down. So, uh, yeah, it's a bummer. Thankfully, it's just a yeah. sprain for Curry, but you hate to see him lose a year in his prime to all these injuries. Not that he lost it, but like it just hasn't been what it could have been. He was putting up MVP yeah. caliber numbers when he was healthy for a lot of this season. Yeah, I mean, I would still put him first-team All-NBA, even mm-hmm. with all the time he's missed. He's just been so good when he's been healthy. Um, and, you know, the, like the Warriors bench is just – it's not as good or as, as deep as, as it was. You know, like some of the guys they've relied on so heavily in the past have really not been producing at, at their previous levels, especially Iguodala. Um you know, and he fell off last regular season too, and then really turned it up, uh, especially in the finals. But that's not something I would rely on as, as he gets older. Um, you know, we talked about like in our GM power rankings. You know, why I was a little lower on Bob Myers than you were, and it was because of the, you know, the Iguodala and Livingston contracts. And you know, th- this is why. Like he's, they're not getting their money's worth from these guys, and unless they really produce in the playoffs, like we've seen in the past. Um, you know, it, it's going to hurt them. Yeah, certainly a downside of the the decision to go with continuity is they rolled the dice on some older guys who uh, at any second could lose a step and seems certainly. Iguodala has, has been on the way down for a little while. Still certainly a useful player and a guy you want on your team, but he's not the Iguodala that was playing for the Warriors the first year they won the title. Um, yeah, not finals MVP, Iguodala. No. Um, and, you know, like this too is – you know, just kind of what arises when you build the type of roster the Warriors have with four future Hall of Famers, you know, in your starting lineup and paying them all, you know, pretty, uh, you know, at, at the max or, or near the max. Uh, you know, that means you kind of have to fill out your bench with, um, well, you know, they've got two kind of overpaid veterans and the rest of the, you know, everyone else is basically on, on the minimum. And, you know, that's a problem you would take to have, you know, Curry, Clay, Draymond, and Durant on, on your team any day. That's absolutely worth, yeah. you know, a little weak on the back end. But that what that means is that, you know, when you have injuries like this, uh, you know, those weaknesses are, you know, exposed. I mean, they're starting Quinn Cook, man. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, that's outrageous. Um, and again, it's something you can do um, when you've got pieces like, like Draymond, all of a sudden, the other three guys are out. It's like, fine, the team just revolves around Draymond, and they still have been successful. But, yeah, that 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 kind of shtick doesn't get you where you want to go in the next couple months, spring going into summer. You you need your top dogs, and you need them to be at their best. Um, yeah. Real quick, you mentioned the All-NBA. Um, I think it was on Simmons' podcast this week. He was talking about how, like, there's too many guards this year. And it really is wild when you think, like, Harden, obviously, first team. Um, and then you've got some clear top guys as well. Lillard definitely going to make one of the teams. 
Kyrie, you could say. I mean, he 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 has missed some games. He's kind of in the Curry camp where he played really well when he was healthy, but he's missed a lot of time. And then you get into like, well, McCollum too, and Chris Paul, and Clay's probably not going to make it. But then you got Westbrook, and then you know, barely even talking about the Eastern Conference. Then you got the Raptors guys. Where are you going to put DeRozan and Lowry? There's an argument to be made that DeRozan should be on the first team. Um, the list just goes on. Oladipo and Brad Beal. Yeah. I've already named way more guys than there are spots. Um, yeah. There's six spots. So it's, it's going to yeah, be it's wild. Crazy. Someone's getting the shaft. Uh, I wonder where Oladipo ends up. I, I hope, I feel like he could squeak into the second team and he would be deserving because this Pacers team is just there because of him almost exclusively. Um, yeah. It's tough. I mean, you think about how much all the media loves Chris Paul. I wouldn't be surprised if they shoved him there because of how good the Rockets have been. I have a feeling Oladipo is going to get shafted just because of like name recognition. I, mm. I have a sinking feeling that Russell Westbrook is going to make it, and I don't Ugh. think he deserves it at all. Like I, I haven't considered him as a candidate all season. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think this has been a good. I think you know the counting stats have been there, but the efficiency hasn't, and I think he drags Oklahoma City down. Um, you know, maybe that's a little harsh. He drags wet, he drags Paul George down, um, and he doesn't make his teammates better. I've I've been thinking about this a lot, and like I I do have a six in mind right now. What is it? Let's I hear would, it. Yeah, you know, who I would go with. What if I was like, I don't want to um, hear it. Don't tell me. You don't want to know? No, I'm just kidding. But wouldn't that be funny if I was like, don't te-, like this? Just bad radio. Like I don't want to hear who it is. You mentioned it, and I used yeah. to deprive the three yeah. listeners Keep we have. Takes to yourself. Yeah. No, let's hear it. So so do you have six? Do you have an order like first team, second team, third team, or there's just six guys yeah. you think deserve to make it? Yeah. So my first team is, is Harden and Curry. Okay. Um, Even with all the time missed. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. I think he's been the sec- played like the second best guard in the NBA when he's been healthy. Um. And so to me, like that was pretty clear cut. My second team is Lillard and DeRozan, and then my third team is Oladipo and Chris Paul. You gave Kyrie the shaft. I gave Kyrie the shaft. Dog. That was the hardest one for me. I had Kyrie there for probably most of the season, um, but then, you know, I, I started. I, I I don't really hold the missed time against him, but to me, it came down to. Um, kind of just the, the defense for Chris Paul um, like that elevated him over Kyrie and just his you know efficiency has been has been ridiculous not that Kyrie's hasn't been hasn't been good but um, yeah really I think the defense was the big decider for me there too and that was you know that was also kind of why I chose Oladipo you know slash Paul over Brad Beal um, you know again it just it was all all defense Brad Beal was a hard guy to leave off too but he yeah, has carried that Wizards team me, for me. Yeah, no, you're you're just making a sound. I haven't. I mean, even though I just I just meandered my way through all the candidates, I I haven't put enough thought behind it to to throw you back my own. Um, but it yeah, I'll wrap my head around it. it. It's it's a tough choice. It's gonna come down to like the last couple games. Big thing with Westbrook is he's currently averaging nine point seven rebounds. So. If he manages to have a couple monster rebound games, I know a few games ago it was like if he just averages twelve the rest of the way, but uh, at least one game that I saw he didn't hit it, so now it's probably even higher. Um, that will matter to people. Yeah. Oh, you know he's going to be ripping that shit out of Stephen Adams' hands too. He's going to like, you know, like Paul George will grab a rebound and uh, Russ will just come out and you know, 
like strip it from him and go to the store and be like, Hey man, that was mine. You know? Yeah. Like that's, that's one thing that has really bothered me about Westbrook the past couple seasons is just his stat chasing, especially with rebounds is just ridiculous. And you know, they're like, he is still a good rebounder and there's a lot of value to like your point guard being able to grab and go, especially with how fast Westbrook is. But, um, you know, he's such a stat whore and it is just, it is so irritating to me. Yeah, man. No, I mean, you, you, you mentioned it before, but it, 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 it's really, you see it at the end of games time and time again, and you see it throughout the game. Just, just every chance he can get to make that extra crazy pass for a shot. That's not as good as the shot he had driving to the rim at that moment. Um, or putting himself in the perfect spot to, to pull down the rebound um, in meaningless situations. He's expending energy on things that are for, for glamor, for glory. But, um, what can you do? For his glory, though. Yeah, and like, for personal glory. power to him. Yeah. But, you know, it's, that's, that's not, you know, like, he's, he can do that, and, you know, I can't hate on him that much because he is so great, but, like, that's just not the way I like to play basketball. You know, or, like, the way I like to watch basketball be played. No. Nope. Maybe that's a little, like, elitist of a take. I, 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 I have to say, man, you said that you're not sure he makes the Thunder better, and that's, that's incorrect. And you and you walked it back in the when you said it for a second. You're not sure it makes Paul George better. I still think. He, I mean, this goes back to the, the Westbrook Durant days. Like, you put them on the court together, and sometimes Westbrook's gonna do something, and you're like, ugh. But then he's gonna do five other things where you're like, oh my god. And he, even after like all those knee injuries he dealt with a few years ago, like he still got that elite athleticism, and and crazy good ball handling and pretty good passing. Um, yeah, that puts him in the upper echelon and. I think that helps Paul George, and George has certainly had a, had a great season. So, uh, I don't know. It, it, Westbrook's an awkward fit at all times with every. Yeah. If Westbrook were playing and, basketball and, with with, with yeah, the, the Lord right. himself. Like, there'd be an awkward. Like fit. I am wrong to say that he he like makes a team worse. Like he give like he is a great player. He's a top ten player, and he gives you like an objective, like kind of a, a very high floor for your team. I mean. Like the floor for a team with Westbrook as their best player is like, you know, forty-five wins and a first-round playoff exit, and that's, you know, a lot of teams would kill for that. You know, my issues are just, you know, like you said, he's hard to build around, and, you know, just some of the some of the little things he does on the margins, um, you know, become even more frustrating because of how great he is. You know, like some of the the bad pull-up threes or you know the stat hunting or all of that. Um, it's just, you know, the insane usage. Like you look at those things and it's like, if you would just tweak a little bit of that, he would be so much more effective. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's, that's where a lot of that frustration comes from. And you're right. Like I can, I think a lot of people, especially with the way the MVP race went last year, you know, people will like magnify that as if like, you know, they think Harden was better last year. They think Harden should have won the MVP. So their take has to be like, Russ sucks. Like he doesn't, he doesn't suck. He he is still great. He's just you know a very frustrating guy sometimes. Yeah, honestly, part of it was I just wanted to see what it would feel like to disagree with you. We we agree on a lot of shit, so I was like, no, <laughs> this ends here. Yeah, yeah, no, but like, and you're right because it is like dumb to say he makes your team worse because like you're fine. Doesn't. You're fine, dude. You're <laughs> fine. I know what you meant. Whoever's listening does too. Also, I heard this week that a couple of my friends from high school do listen to the podcast almost every week. So, thank you, Sean oh, and Connor. Uh, yeah, 
if you're still listening. Maybe they go like five <laughs> minutes in and they're like, ugh, this again. No. He's talking about the Celtics. No, they like the Celtics. They're good guys. Um, so I have a question for you. Did you know yeah. that Trey Burke's full name is Alfonso Clark Burke Third? I had no idea. So Trey, it must stand for the fact that he's the third. He's 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 three yeah. three Burke. And did you know that the Knicks have lost every game he's ever scored more than forty points for them in? <laughs> uh, so all one. <laughs> all one of them. All one. yeah. On uh, two nights ago now, uh, Monday, Trey Burke put up forty two points and twelve assists in a loss to Charlotte in yeah. uh, quite the non-playoff, non-impactful matchup. Um, yeah, he was 19 yeah. of 31. I mean, he, that's fairly efficient for, for a 40-point game. Yeah, uh, Two, one free throw attempt. One free too. throw. Like. <laughs> he was doing it from the mid-range. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Only nine, only nine threes. Um, only three of nine from downtown. But you know, the Knicks have also lost. Um, you know, pretty much any game in which Trey Burke didn't score forty points, or pretty much every game in which he didn't play at all, because they're the Knicks and they're trash. Um, that was fun to see him. You know, put up. You know, Michigan put up stats. Like that, though yeah. I loved Trey Burke coming out of Michigan, and it hurt how wrong I was about him. Yeah. Um, so this, you know, this is probably a complete anomaly. It's going to mean nothing uh, going forward. And the Knicks are pretty happy that, that they lost. That one got a little tight when it came down to OT, but, but they pulled out the L so good for them. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's a ridiculous game, man. You know, I was looking up just some of Trey Burke's stats, you know, just to, to talk about this and like his, like he is so, he has been so much more efficient this year than he has been, uh, at any point previously in his career. And it's gotta be because it's a, small sample of like less than, you know, 30 games and less than 600 minutes. Um, but like, it's, it's ridiculous. So he's 49% career true shooting, uh, 58% this year, um, shoots 53% at the rim for his career, 73% this year, uh, 13.5% PER this year. It's 23.2. It's the Renaissance, dude, the Renaissance of Trey Burke. Yeah, he's also got a career high in usage and a career low in turnovers, uh, turnover percentage, uh, wow. which is probably because he's been shooting it like every damn time he touches the ball. <laughs> but, like, you know what? Like, good for you, Trey Burke. I just, you know, I think I got a little uh, little too excited when he drained that 30-foot step back to, you know, tie the Elite Eight game versus Kansas in, in March Madness. Um, but, you know, all, all that season, you know, he was the National Player of the Year. He was real demonstrating uh pretty deep nba range that 30 footer was a regular part of his arsenal and that was a, a big part of why i thought he would at least be a successful nba player and maybe it's not too late you know maybe this you know insanely efficient uh you know trey burke who can get buckets and still not play defense is you know maybe, maybe he has a future as a good like second or third guard I, I don't think so but it's kind of fun to see him doing it right now it is um We've seen this before. We've we've seen the flash in the pan on teams that don't have a damn, give a damn, uh, have a reason to or win, or have a or have a damn, either. have a damn asset besides their draft pick. <laughs> um, 
he has had a fascinating journey. So it is, I'm with you. It's cool to see him put up stat lines like this and try and carve out a place for himself. Um, just like, you know, TJ McConnell, except not at all. But um, I <laughs> remember that 30-footer differently. I remember that 30-footer completely fucking my bracket that year because I had Kansas <laughs> winning. And I was, I'm currently, uh, as I told you earlier, I'm staying with my, my parents this evening. I was in this exact room watching it on TV, just like, just basking in my own glory. Like, that's right. I, I got Kansas going to the Elite Four, Elite, I mean, the Final Four. Let's do it. Next thing you know, Burke freaking drops a bomb. Oh, that was the last time I ever picked Kansas. I used to pick Kansas every year, and that was the last time. I said never again. They always screw me. And you know what? This year, we'll see. Um, right? Did they lose yet? No, they're still they're no. they're in final four. No, they're 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 going to catch an L on Saturday though. Just uh, Villanova's playing Villanova. Better in, in yeah. Oh yeah, they beat way. they beat Duke. Um, they, they yeah they beat Duke. Yeah, man. Like I said last week, Nova's my squad. So knock on wood, I feel like it, it's going to catch up with me. But uh, I uh, I think they're looking all right. Okay, one more note on Trey Burke's crazy game. Um, he did it against Charlotte which is the team that Dwight plays on. And last week, Dwight had his 30-30 game. So we're doing a little Highlander-type pass-off here. It goes from Charlotte to Trey Burke uh, on the Knicks. We'll see what happens to the Knicks. Maybe somebody will score 100 points on them next week, uh, which would be epic. Uh, one other note is the Knicks, we mentioned that Sixers game earlier. The Knicks lost to the Sixers tonight, 118-101. to And Trey Burke was... Minus eighteen as his plus minus, so they lost. Yep. They, they lost by the margin of of point differential that Trey Burke was on the floor for. Uh, that's not good, Cotton. Yeah, it's not. And as fun as it is to see him, uh, you know, put up you know forty two once, uh, there's no reason he should be playing more minutes than Frank Nilakina. Uh, Absolutely. That just, um. You know, Nilakina did did foul out against Charlotte. He fouled out in 17 minutes, which is Duff. really impressive. That's <laughs> but, horrendous. Uh, yeah, tonight I think Burke had 28 and Nilakina played 24. Uh, there's no good reason for that. You know, Trey Burke is not going to be on the team next year. He may not be in the league next year. And you just drafted Frank Nilakina eighth overall um, ahead of some you know really really good players and. Right, as bad as he's looked on offense this year, he has been an insanely nasty defender uh, for a rookie, and that's really impressive because rookies just should not be as good on defense as quickly as uh, Frankie Smokes is. So, like, get get him out there on the court. I don't know what you're doing, Jeff Hornacek. Um, you know, it's like he thinks it's like he's playing the veteran guy trying to win, trying to coach for his job, except. You know the veteran is is worse than the rookie, yeah. and uh, it's it's a mess. Yeah, he yeah, it's wrong in terms of development. Just like it's wrong that Malik Monk is still barely playing, but I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, I uh, listened to. I had not listened to the low episode with Steve Clifford when we did the pod last week. I was behind, but then I did listen to it, and I was surprised that Zach didn't go into the Monk thing at all with him. They, I like, was too. they briefly touched on him, but like kind of were just like, yeah, he could be something, right, coach? Like, not even exactly like that, but it was just that kind of like lighthearted, like, oh yeah, you've got a kid who could be good on your team. 
Zach Lowe seems like the kind of guy who would be as appalled as we are that the kid's not getting minutes. Um, I also saw in the one of his articles, or it might have been the 10 things this week, he absolutely eviscerated some team. He was like, they're doing this thing abysmally. They're doing this so wrong. And for a guy like that who is like kind of an insider, like not that he's breaking news, but like he has deep contacts at every team, like I wonder what that, that feels like for him to pick something out and decide like I'm going to annihilate this team for this <laughs> and still have to yeah. like grab beers with those contacts he has and still be like, hey, so how you doing, buddy? And they'd be like, dude, you told us we sucked. Like that's going to be tough, man. I wonder, you know, I wonder if he got any pissed off texts about it or something. I yeah, I, I don't know. I think he he does a pretty good job of when he's being critical of like not making it personal, you know, as much as that possible. Yeah, in the you know in in sports analysis, you know, he's not, he he won't say like you know this coach or this player is a fucking scrub or you know blah blah blah. I think he'll kind of point out the flaw in you know what they're doing rather than you know putting it out there as like a, a flaw in, in the person or their, you know, totally. it's, it's kind of a subtle difference, but I think he's good at that. But yeah. I was surprised too that he didn't push Clifford harder on the monk thing. Um, especially when, you know, down, you know, at some point, uh, Clifford mentioned, you know, Michael Carter Williams being a great defender. No, he's fucking not. Yes. That was <laughs> absurd. We have spent a lot of time on this podcast pointing out that he is not a good defender. Thank you for bringing <laughs> that up. I forgot about that, but I was listening to it on a run and I literally like chuckled out loud. Like <laughs> it's so absurd that he yeah. would say that. I was like, I was folding laundry while I was listening to it. And I just like set, I just like set like my shirt down on the bed. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, you just like you just stop what you're doing and like look up. Like, wait, really? Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what? If you if if that's how you you get yourself through the day, Steve Clifford, by telling yourself Michael Carter, Michael Carter Williams can play defense, then uh, more power to you. Hey, I didn't see this until just now, but uh, we had a 50 point game this evening. Did you know this? I did not. Yeah. Um, all right, let's play a game with this. First, I'll I'll just give you a, a a straight up guess. Just guess anybody in the league scored fifty points tonight, and then I'll I'll, I'll start giving you little hints. Anybody in the league? Yeah, yeah. Was he's, it? He's, he's never done Carl it before. Anthony, was it Carl Anthony Towns? Yeah, how'd you know? I didn't. I was just get I, out I of here. You guessed. already knew, no you idea. piece of shit. You knew. <laughs> no, I swear. I swear. God I no. Yes. Holy yes. Shit, really? It was cat. Yeah. Wow. Man, that Holy was going to be so shit. fun. Yeah. 56, 15, and 4. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> he had a freaking game wow. <laughs> against the Hawks, but still, I mean, you, you could be playing against anybody. You put up 50 points. That's impressive. Yeah. No, I just had the banner, you know, with the scores on ESPN. So up, you knew what the teams, the teams were. That yeah. were playing. Um, my second guess would have been Dame, but wow. Yeah. 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 Pretty nuts. Um, good old Big that's Cat. A, that's dude. absurd. He shot, wow, 56 points on, on 32 shots, 6 of 8 from deep. Like, that's, holy crap. That's quite efficient. 6 of 8 from deep for your center. Um, yeah. That's just insane. And he took 15 free throws. And and Wiggins is probably in the locker room bitching about being the third option. He's like, yo, I should have taken more shots tonight. Yeah, he's, he's like, like, come on, man. Like, he, he might still be, like, standing out there in the wing just like, 
holding his hands up, clapping for the ball. The lights go down. The arena's empty. He's just standing there practicing the uh, the Dion waiters. Wiggins is going <laughs> to lose sleep tonight over over a pass he had to a wide-open cat who drained a three because Wiggins thinks he should have put his head down and barreled to the rim so he could make a step-back <laughs> fadeaway off-center jumper. Um, or he could, he could brick it because <laughs> when I saw the Celtics play the Timberwolves, that was like, like you knew Wiggins would get the ball at a certain spot, and it's like he's gonna drive, his guy's gonna stop him, and he's gonna try to step back and take a take a jump jumper, a fadeaway jumper. Yeah, he will miss. It's like when he catches the ball on the left wing, like you know exactly what's gonna come. He's gonna get to the left elbow, take his pull up, and you're gonna you know be lucky if it hits rim. It's just like, wild, I mean, he's, dude, not, like, he's not that bad of a mid range shooter, but like no, he's decent at it. But he's got to have more to his game. Yeah, it's it's painful. It's like. He's got that pull-up. He's got his little post-spin move that he's been, you know, pull breaking out since his rookie year. It's like, cool, man. You know, mate, why don't you take some more threes? Why don't you actually pass it? He had three assists tonight. That might be, like, that might be more than he had in the rest of his career combined. T-Bone, okay, slow your roll, pal. <laughs> First, you're telling me Russell Westbrook makes the Thunder worse. Now you're telling me that Wiggins has not assisted three times in his NBA career. Um, the actual answer was five. No, I I don't know, but um, yeah, he when I see him, like you said, on, on the block, um, reminds me of last year. We would Jalen Brown for some reason ended up on the baseline a lot. Like that was just his spot in the offense. Um, so they'd swing it to him, and you would just know the second he got the ball that he was like, "I'm taking it to the hole." He would always do the same thing. <laughs> He would start, he'd try to dribble around his guy. If it didn't work, then he'd back him up, and then he'd do like a little spin move around him. And sometimes it worked, um, but he was, you know, an 18, 19-year-old kid in his first year in the NBA, and, like, that's kind of how you got to do it. Wiggins is, is, what, it's his third, fourth year in the league? Fourth year, yeah. And to, to basically have the same, like, understanding of what's about to happen when he catches the ball as I did when Jalen Brown was 19, like, that doesn't feel good. <laughs> that doesn't feel good to me, but... uh Maybe there's something I don't. Maybe we'll have Tib. Tibbs will go on Zach Lowe's podcast next week, and he'll be like, "Andrew is one of the most versatile offensive players. He's so unpredictable." <laughs> and I'll be like, "All right, well, fuck me, I guess, because clearly this, <laughs> I don't know." Yeah, maybe he'll say he believes in wrestling guys, you know, too, and not not burning them out in their in their fifth year in the league. Well, Zach, but- rest is very important to me. That's why I utilize my deep bench. <laughs> Yeah. Do you want to talk about Terry Rozier really quickly? I do. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because he tonight is trying to uh, set his record for most 15-point games consecutively, <laughs> uh, which is cool. It's not like the biggest thing, but it's cool. Uh, I think he's played well enough in this stretch without Kyrie and Smart. Um, and even going back to when we still had Kyrie, but Smart was out. Uh, he's earned a contract too big for the Celtics to keep him when his rookie deal's over. Uh, the kid also defends like a bulldog. He's not Marcus Smart's level, but he's quite good. But he is capable of running an NBA offense. Um, that is why the Celtics are going for their fifth straight win tonight, because Terry Rozier has run this offense. It's all yeah. been going through him and Marcus Morris and Al Horford to a degree. But again, like I mentioned earlier, he's had various injuries and he's been out even with just like illness. Um, Terry's been on fire. And the other night he actually pulled out a flamethrower and hit like, I think, eight threes. Um, that was insane. That was cool to watch, and it's something that uh, the last couple of years has been apparent that he he has that that ceiling. 
uh, every now and then. Seems right now. Can it become more consistent? We're not really going to know if he stays on the Celtics because he's not going to get enough minutes. Um, it's just a redundancy between him, Smart, and Kyrie. Three ball handers. Uh, Kyrie's the only one that's going to get enough minutes. Um, but he's been quite good, and I think that without question, he's the number one reason that the Celtics are where they are at right now. Um, what do you? What do you? I wanted to ask you because I just said I think he's outplayed the Celtics being able to keep him in a couple of years. Do you think that's accurate, or am I overvaluing him because I'm so close to it? No, I don't think you are. Um, you know, he'll be a restricted free agent after next year, and I think there are scenarios in which the Celtics could keep him. Um, you know, if they decide not to pay Marcus Smart, um, which honestly, like that, that's something I, I would be heavily considering if I if I were the Celtics. I I would really think about paying Rozier and, and letting Smart go. Um, you know, just because. Uh, uh, you know, you mentioned he's not quite at smart level as as a defender, but he's damn close. You know, he's not not as uh, stocky, but um, he's still really good and versatile. But the thing he does that Marcus Smart doesn't is he's shooting thirty nine percent from three this year on uh, five attempts per game, and you know that's not something you'll ever get out of Marcus Smart on this since he since Kyrie went down. Um, Rozier's been averaging nineteen six and five shooting 42% from three on almost nine attempts a game. And uh, he takes, uh, like, some difficult shots. So does Marcus Smart. The difference is with, with Rozier, it goes in. Yeah. Um, he's got some versatility to his jump shot. Um, you know, I I like Terry Rozier a lot. And I think I think there's just spitballing off the top of my head, maybe, like, a third, maybe a little bit less of the league would rather have him than their starting point guards right now. Um you know, point guard. There is kind of a, a point guard saturation, but it's still an incre- you know incredibly valuable position. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he can defend uh, twos and some threes, I think you know makes him even more valuable. One thing he's got to work on though is he's uh, according to B Ball Ref this year, he's shooting forty two percent on layups and fifty three percent at the rim when you factor in layups and dunks. So that's not nearly good enough, um, but. His three-point shooting is, and his defense, I think, just alone. You know, and, and like you said, the fact that he's competent enough uh, in the pick-and-roll to run an NBA offense, um, you know, I think he's absolutely earned himself a pretty nice payday. Like, what, what type of contract do you think he could get? I can see him. We'll see what happens with the cap by the time he's a restricted free agent, but or lower lower teens i guess 12 yeah that's kind of what i was thinking some like, desperate team could throw like 14 at him in like a you know like a weird bizarro evan turner type scenario yeah like 14 on the high end like 12 to 14 i'd be comfortable with which i was talking to someone who who i respect his opinion on that i work with he told me he thinks smart can still garner like 10 i think those days are are gone because not only does Smart the liability on the court offensively, but now he's got these injuries stacking up as well. I think Smart's closer to the upper single figures, maybe eight. Yeah. Yeah, and he just, you know, you're right. Like with his his injuries, the way he like just throws his body around. It's uh, not going to stop. Charges, yeah. Um, you know, he puts himself at risk, and that's great. Like he plays so hard, um, you know, and that's part of what makes him such a, such a good defender. But uh, – yeah, his his shot selection is just 
I mean, you've experienced it ever since he he came to the league. You know, like Celtics fans just just cringe every time he he fires up something. So, yeah, I mean, if I were the Celtics, I would, I would seriously consider letting him walk and see and and rolling with with Rozier. Um, so that'll that'll be really interesting to see to see what they do with that. Um, you know, I I don't know. It seem it seems like they 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 do like Mark Smart. They could have traded him at the deadline and, and declined to do so. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, they uh, they've moved away from from that. That was the mo with the Celts up until the year they got Isaiah, moving Rondo before the deadline, but still in yeah. deadline season. Um, getting assets back for Tayshawn Prince. Um, yeah. They got Jarebko and Gigi Datomi. Shouts to Gigi. Um, and there's other examples yeah. I'm facing on as well. But Austin they, Rivers. Yeah, yeah. Austin Rivers, <laughs> of course. Valuable. We did get something back from him, from the Clippers for him. Um, yeah. But yeah, lately, uh, last couple off seasons, Danny's been less inclined to really change anything at all. Besides adding Monroe, really. And... They did just today sign Xavier Silas, who I'm a fan of. He it's his first former time. Former buff. Yeah, former buff. It's first time back in the league since 2012, I believe. So long journey for him getting back in. Um, I followed him because he tore up uh, the basketball tournament. Um, oh, he okay. led a team to the finals two years ago, I think. And I had been following that, and then like followed him on Twitter, and he DM'd me like, "Thanks for the follow." And I was like, wow, this guy just DM'd wow. me. Yeah. Um, so ever since then, I, that, that was it. And I was like, you go, man. You're my guy now. Uh, he, like, played for Team USA last year. Like, you know, sometimes they'll have a weird tournament, and they'll just bring, like, a, a squad of guys you never heard of. Um, and he's been tearing up the G League for, like, I think five years now. He has five seasons in the G League. So uh, this means a lot to him to have a 10-day contract. I don't know if he's going to get any playing time whatsoever on the Celtics, but um i hope some teams are watching because i like yeah. that guy's game um it's not like he's any you know i i think he's he's six four six five like he's he's built um he's quick you know now he's kind of up there in age for somebody you'd be rolling the dice on but we've seen plenty of guys still carve out a spot for themselves uh later on in their career so he's got a chance real quick i want to just 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 do a little exercise which we've never done before and we even moved off the topic because i'm rambling but I thought it'd be kind of fun just to place Terry Rozier in the league. You, I'm going to give you him and another point guard, and your choice is to either have Terry Rozier for 82 games next season or this point guard. Okay. Um, Terry Rozier or Milos Teodosic? Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier or that, Dennis Smith? And that hurts because I love Milos. Yeah, I know you do. But... Terry Rozier or Dennis Smith Jr.? Are we talking like just next year, or am I getting – or are we talking? Are, are we projecting forward? We are assuming That's the Mavericks hard. are trying to win next year, and it's just next year. Oh, if I'm trying to win next year, I'm taking Terry. Rozier. Terry, okay. Terry Rozier or D'Angelo Russell? Terry Rozier, man. Like D'Angelo Russell has been a negative player this year, and tonight D'Angelo every- Russell had 16 points, 12 assists, and five rebounds. But for the most part, he absolutely has been a negative player this year. You are right. I'm cherry picking stats on you. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. Um, Terry Rozier or Frank Nilakina? Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier or Dennis Schroeder? Uh, 
Terry Rozier. <laughs> See, that's that's that you 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 wouldn't have said that at the beginning of the year, you know? No, I, I wouldn't have. But but I mean, Rozier's really improved his shooting, and and again, like his defense is so much better than uh, Shooter. Shooter's a much better finisher. Yeah. Um, but that stat uh, about Rozier at the rim was fascinating. I did not realize he's that bad. Yeah. Um, but Schroeder's a negative defender, so. Yeah. All right. That's kind of all the ones that you can make. Uh, Terry Rozier or Drew Holiday? Probably Drew. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if we're if we're factoring contract into it, uh, you know, maybe Rozier. But uh, Drew's had a really, really good year. Um, yeah, he has. And it seems like he's, you know, knock on wood, gotten over his health issues. Um, and he's... You know, he's he's a really good point guard. Um, I mean, you know, when I said I'd take him over, you know, maybe a third of the starters in the league, there's a couple other guys I had in mind, like Reggie Jackson. Yeah. I'd rather have Terry Rozier than. Wow, um, okay. I'm right there with you, yeah. Um, Darren Collison is another guy I can think of. Yeah. Um, like Alfred Payton, you know. Um, just trying to, trying to think of some more. But those are some other guys, too. Um Whoever the hell the Magic are throwing out there. I don't even know like, anymore. I don't, I don't even know. Ever since they got rid of Peyton, yeah. By the way, Rozier but, currently has two points for the Celtics. With two minutes left in the third, he is 0 for 7. Oof. Rough. <laughs> well, I still like him. Me um, too. Yeah, man, some of the some of the lineups the Celtics have been trotting out. You know, right now, uh, I've got it up on Watch ESPN. They're playing uh, Shane Larkin, uh Jason Tatum, Shemi Ojale, Aaron Baines, and Greg Monroe. Hey, did you catch? Uh, have you seen Yabu at all? He they started. Yeah, him. he's been yeah. he's been getting some uh, actual real minutes. So has Abdel Nader. Yeah, uh, I like Nader, dude. Nader tore it up the G League last year. I liked Nader a lot at Iowa State, uh-huh. um, and he's shown more athleticism. Uh, at least in in this game, he's running the floor really hard, uh, getting up for some nice finishes. Uh, you know, more than he showed at Iowa State. Um, you know, really there, he was kind of more just a, a floor spacing forward. Uh, Yabu bricked a three. I, just, I saw just a couple minutes ago. Um, but good on him for taking it. Yeah. And Greg Monroe, man, like, what the hell happened to him? Um, I've seen him airball an elbow jumper already. Yeah. And uh, clank a running hook off the side of the backboard. He is not afraid to huck. He's currently one for eight in this game. Um Sometimes it, this happens, and it's like, oh, God, what? Uh, no. And no matter what, he's always, uh, what did I compare him to last week? A guy who snitched on the mob at the dock. He's got <laughs> cider blocks for feet. Um, oh, right on cue. He just missed a dunk on Jay Crowder. Oh, <laughs> uh, Jay Crowder, of all people. Um, but Monroe, <laughs> like, they, we need a guy like that. Uh, when, not going one for eight, but um, to just be, <laughs> be ready to volume shoot on semi-decent looks in the offense because – for years, the Celtics' second unit has just been a bunch of guys who were hesitant to shoot, and the shot clock would just run out, and somebody would hoist a three. Um, I'd rather have a big man getting shots that are at least close to the rim, even if they're not very good looks. But now we're just rambling about the Celts. What we should really do is just wrap up the podcast and then go watch them hopefully beat Utah. Um, currently <laughs> down four. Um, any any last words on the Celtics or anybody else in the league? You have you have the last topic, Tommy. It's all yours. Oh man, that's a lot of pressure. Um, is it though? Well, just since we're on the Celtics, I would shut everybody down and play with house money for the rest of the playoffs. And by everybody, I mean like Kyrie, Horford, Marcus. You know, they're not gonna. You know, they're they're not a championship contender at this point. So, 
why risk any further injury to those guys who you're going to need next year and just give, you know, let these young guys sink or swim in the playoffs on their own. Just give them that experience and let them come back better for it next year. So you're telling me you wouldn't rush back your franchise player from his recently operated on left knee and your other franchise player from his horrific ankle injury and the guy who's about to be a free agent from his fractured thumb just to lose to LeBron? Yeah, shocking, I know. <laughs> Sorry. Man, I'm really roasting you tonight. But no, it's it's not. I mean, I made it sound, sound absurd, but um, they have the second-best record in the East, and they're in the top tier in the East. So it's not crazy to feel like maybe there's a chance there, but this isn't a bunch of team of, of – guys who are about to go anywhere. Um, Smart's the only guy of their stable uh, of guys that are really important to them that this might be his last year on the team. Everybody else is back. Even Marcus Morris is back next year. So Yeah, I'm right Harper's there on the contract. Him. All the young guys are, are still there, Baines? obviously. Is Baines on a one-year deal? I think he is. I should know this. But, you know, he's not, you know, Baines yeah. who do what Baines does are a dime a dozen, so... He's been good, man. I'll tell you what. We were paying him $4 million. We're not going to get him for that next year. I mean, depending on the market for big men. And I guess he's 30. But, uh, yeah, Baines and Smart. Besides that, we're locked up. But I'm with you. Let's 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 shut him down. Let's get more Yabu time. Uh, in the meantime, <laughs> we are going to take the time to watch the end of this game. In peace. I want to thank everybody, as always, for tuning in. Thanks to my guys, Wooly Mammoths, for getting that music to us. Um... You can find me on Twitter at Sam Ruthier. You can find Tommy on Twitter at Woodstein72. Um, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Anchor.fm. Tommy, how are the Colorado Rockies going to do this year? Uh, you know, they're going to do like they do every year. and They're going to show promise early. They're going to hit a lot of home runs. Everyone's going to get excited. And then they're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, you should you should sell the movie rights. That sounds that sounds like a good one. Uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Opening day tomorrow. Hope springs eternal. We uh, yeah. I'm gonna wear my uh, my Javi Baez World Series champion jersey to work tomorrow. So. NL National League champion. Oh no, you mean the you mean the Cubs? I thought you were referencing someone from the from the Rockies team that lost to the Sox. But uh, yeah, one of the best Christmas presents I've ever fan. gotten. My girlfriend the year. Uh, you know, Christmas 2016, she got me a uh, Javi Baez jersey with a World Series champion patch. That's so, sick. I have him on my fantasy squad. I hope he has a good year. He is my favorite player in all of baseball, so I hope wow. he does too. I have Schwarby too. Maybe not, not, not as big of a chance for a good year, but we'll see. Hey, he's skinny this year, though. Yeah, yeah, slim Schwarbs. Hopefully, his launch angle is still good, <laughs> so we can hit some homers. But all right, we'll uh, we'll really wrap it up this time. Thanks, everybody, as always. Um, yeah, I've got nothing else clever to say. So just going to end it. But uh, we'll be back next week. And the playoffs are right around the corner. So uh, Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever.